Cause sometimes I be right Hello Welcome To the show Another week Another conversation Another show Thank you all for being here with me today Or tonight Or whenever it is you're listening to this Wherever you might be listening Thank you I honestly mean it It's fun Gives me purpose (laughs) How's everybody feeling? How's everybody doing? I'm feeling good Feeling pretty great actually Uh, Listen uh, Today I'm be honest with you I don't know where this thing is gonna go Uh, Yeah I do prep I do you know Throughout the week after one, As soon as one episode ends I start prepping the next one Gathering stories, topics, things that I feel like are important for me to talk about, things that I feel like uh, my opinion might be interesting to you. But this week, I felt like it was kind of slow. So I feel like I want to do something a little different today. I want to dive into, uh, I got a new a new little segment I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attempt, see how that goes. Uh, also, I think I haven't fully decided. I may or may not finally dive into the whole GOAT debate. As uh, basketball is coming back around, training camps have started. So that whole topic of who's the GOAT is starting to come back into the ether. And I feel like I, I maybe I need to speak on it. I'm not sure yet. We'll see. We'll see how this goes. But let's intro this thing, man. Welcome back, Cyber Family. This is your first time joining us. Welcome. This is Sometimes I Be Right. I'm your host, John Farris, reporting live from Trash Can Studios. As always, joined by my co-host, Wally. Say what up, Wally. So like I said, man, today I, I feel like we're going to uh, we're gonna go in an interesting direction here. So uh, I got, um, man, I do, I do kind of want to talk a lot about like, just um college football rankings um you know looking at the top 10 seeing who's you know who's a real threat i also want to do the same thing in, in the nfl now that we're four weeks in are we four weeks in no three weeks we're actually starting before so maybe it's a little early wait where am I? yeah so so three weeks in you got kind of you're starting to see some things kind of come along. You're starting to see some narratives start to, you know, crystallize and you know, all the pundits are starting to put their their thoughts and their opinions on some things and you're like, "I don't really know if I agree with that. I think you might be overreacting or underreacting or maybe assuming things." So I feel like maybe, you know, maybe this is the week that we deal with that, but uh as usual, let's start it off with some quick hits. Quick hits, quick hitters. So the first thing is uh, the Pro Bowl. It's been announced that uh, the Pro Bowl is going bye-bye. That's right. There will be no more Pro Bowl game, I should say. I guess guys will still get voted to the Pro Bowl. And instead, they're going to opt to have a, uh, a skills competition style format with a flag football game possible. And uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure last year I was saying they should just do away with the Pro Bowl and do a skills competition. Now, I'm not, look, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they listened to me when they went ahead and decided to make this decision. I think anyone who's anybody knows that this is probably the best way to go because let's be honest, man, that Pro Bowl game was unwatchable. And I don't blame the players. Like, look, it's the, it's the end of the year. Like, if you're not in the Super Bowl, you're not, you know, you know, 
you don't want to play like what's the point like it's a meaningless game and if you run the risk of injuring yourself in the pro bowl now you have to spend the whole offseason just rehabbing your injury you set yourself back for the next year and who's going to do that and not to mention not only the players but the owners themselves don't want the players going out and getting hurt before the next season over something as meaningless as the pro bowl something that's supposed to be like an honor and a privilege and like a reward for you is now hey go out and risk your health one more time just for no reason like nobody watches it anyway so yeah i think it's going to be way more entertaining as a fan to watch a quarterback competition to watch uh receivers doing drills and stuff like that and yes i know some negative nancy's out there are probably gonna say hey you could still tear an acl you know running routes or doing whatever but at the same time i just feel like it doesn't have to be done at such intensity it could be more fun you could just have fun with it these are just guys send the guys on a paid vacation give them a bonus for making the pro bowl tell them to go have fun these you know these guys are children at heart anywhere they're gonna be able to have fun with it and as fans when we know it's supposed to be just a fun silly little thing we don't you know we don't really expect too much it's kind of like the the nba all-star game gets a pass and nobody's mad at it because we all understand for three and a half quarters it's going to be just guys running up and down jacking up threes and doing 360 dunks and alley-oops and nobody's really gonna try to compete with each other until like the last couple minutes so we all accept it because we understand going in that's what we're signing up for the pro bowl was always advertised as a football game when in reality it never was and that's what always i think rub people the wrong way so i'm glad that they're going in that direction i think it's a smart move i think it's a no-brainer and uh I'm, for one I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what kind of competitions they come up with and and uh, who participates and how it works out so the raiders um they stink they they look pretty bad they look um they just look off and, uh, you know, you hear a lot of a lot of conversations and a lot of people talking about why you're going to have the people who will always naturally go blame the quarterback. You're going to have some people blame the defense you have people blame this or blame that or blame whatever it is you want to blame. My question is, hey, look who your coach is. What has Josh McDaniels ever done in his history as a coach that make you feel like he's capable of leading a franchise to any level of excellence? I mean, honestly, I have never seen it. His claim to fame is being the offensive coordinator for the Patriots when they had Tom Brady. But like Tom Brady is one of those guys who's so individually driven that he was going to be able to, I don't want to say do it on his own, but like Josh McDaniels, like you didn't really have to coach. You kind of had to just be creative enough or be interesting enough to gain Brady's trust. But again, even if you are a, a, a genius as far as calling the plays or developing an offense, if you don't have the horses to run it, then it doesn't matter. And if you have a guy like Tom Brady who's running your offense, your offense is going to look greater than it ever needs to be or than it ever might actually be in reality because you have such a great player who's at the helm. But when you put him on Denver, it was a train wreck. I mean, the guy went out and drafted, you know, Tim Tebow in the first round when he could have got him in the seventh round if he wanted. He probably would have went undrafted. And if he didn't go undrafted, I promise you, no other franchise was going to hold on to him as long as they did. So it's as simple as like, all right, so you did that and then you came back and then it fell apart and it flamed out. And then isn't he also the same guy that had accepted the job and then went back on it and went back to like and did that shisty move and then you hire this guy? So honestly, the Raiders stink. Yeah. And I don't think it's a surprise because I think everyone should have known Josh McDaniel is not really a great coach. I don't think he is. I think he's one of those guys, kind of like Elaine Kiffin, who's really good at a specific thing. 
And like, if you let him focus on that thing, you're gonna get his best work. If you force him to focus on other things, you might get some quality, but in reality, it's not gonna work out well long-term. I don't I don't think Josh McDaniels is a good head coach. I don't think he needs to be a head coach. And I think he will get fired pretty soon. Not saying this year, but I think they'll give him this year and next year. And then I think the year after it's gonna be, it's gonna be a wrap for that guy. I don't know why they keep recycling these same guys and giving these same guys opportunities. It's not working. It's never going to work. That's my opinion. I'm calling it now. Josh McDaniels is not lasting three years with the Vegas Raiders. So as I said earlier, uh, the NBA is coming back around. It's that time of year. Training camps have opened. And of course, you had your media days. And uh, and one thing, one uh, statement kind of stuck out to me. And it's um, Anthony Davis. Um, you know Anthony Davis. He plays for the Lakers. He's considered to be a top 10 talent in the league. And when he's healthy and on point, definitely a top five talent in the NBA. You know, co-star to LeBron James. Uh, the guy who really helped him win a championship, but not really. Uh, <laughs> I'm throwing shots. Uh, you know Anthony Davis, the guy who can't stay healthy. Well, he came out and said that the uh, the Lakers are coming into this year with a chip on their shoulder. And I just got a chuckle out of that. Um, it's one of those statements where, like, yeah, of course the player is going to is gonna make the statement of, like, oh, we, we feel like we have something to prove. We feel like we're the underdogs. We feel like everybody's overlooking us. So we're going to play with that chip on our shoulder. Um, two things. Number one, um, the last time LeBron came into a season feeling that way i believe was in 2010 after he signed with the miami heat and he tried to portray the role of the bad guy of the one of everybody's being negative about me yeah it's me against the world i'm gonna show y'all and prove something to y'all and we all understand how that ended and we also understand that he came back the next year and said that wasn't really me and i didn't feel comfortable and blah 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 and all this other stuff right so anthony davis uh maybe you should have checked with him before you said that number two I don't care how big the chip on your shoulder is. I don't care how bad you want it. Hey, bro, are you going to be able to stay healthy? Are you going to be healthy come the playoffs? Are you going to be healthy enough to get the team into the playoffs? Hey, I don't care how bad you want it. Isn't that what everyone's mad about Russell Westbrook about? Because Russell Westbrook is such pure effort and energy that he has no chill, that he can't like work with an offense. He's just go, 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 and it throws everything else off. Hey, I don't care how bad you want it. If you don't have the players to do it, then it don't matter. And Anthony Davis is the wrong person to come in saying somebody has a chip on his shoulder. Hey, if I'm a Lakers fan, I got a chip on my shoulder against you. Bruh, you ain't healthy. You keep getting hurt constantly. Like, that's the reason why your team wasn't doing well. It's because you couldn't stay healthy. Now, it's not his fault. I get it. But come on. To talk about a chip on your shoulder, we're the underdogs. No, we're just looking at your entire history and saying, oh, he's going to get hurt at some point this year. We're looking at Russell Westbrook and saying, hmm, he at some point is going to be a problem for them because he still doesn't mesh with them. And we're looking at LeBron and saying, well, LeBron is older and is going to need some time off. And do we really expect LeBron to be as great as he was in his peak? No, because even as good of a season he had last year, we all could tell he took a step back in every other area except for scoring. He tried to take on a bigger scoring load and that took away from the rest of his game, including his defense, which has been consistently dropping. You don't have the horses to just be able to say we should be favored. It's not like that anymore. You not that team. You not that guy. We don't trust you. We realize LeBron is aging. We understand that Russell Westbrook's not a good fit. And Patrick Beverly to be your biggest offseason acquisition. Hey, guess what, bruh? Pat Beverly ain't scaring nobody neither. 
Because he can't score, number one, and that's what you needed with shooters. And you went out and got another defensive-minded, tough, hard-nosed defender who's going to go out there, maybe hit an open three every once in a while, but he don't shoot better than Westbrook. So I don't care if you got a chip on your shoulder. Hey, bro. We'll see. That's all I'm saying. We'll see. That's it for quick hits. I don't, um, man, you know what? I will coming off the back of that on quick hits. I have mentioned the, uh, Anthony Davis thing. So let's, let's, let's hop on that and let's actually get, let's touch on, you know what? I'm not going to get deep into it because the season ain't even started yet. I feel like that'd be slightly inappropriate, but let's just get a little taste into this whole goat conversation. So of course, every year the conversation is going to come up. That's my notes. Don't don't pay attention to the foliage. You know what I mean? <laughs> Every year, the conversation comes up during basketball season. Um, unquestionably, somebody's going to say it, and they're going to talk about LeBron James being the goat over Jordan. Or the season's going to start, and someone's going to say the statement, which I think is like weird to me. What does LeBron have to do to catch Jordan as the goat? That's weird to me because my answer to that is he can't. It's not possible because if you're telling me he's still chasing Jordan, what are you talking about? Jordan played 15 NBA seasons, right? LeBron's already surpassed that. So anything that LeBron accomplishes at this point is still not greater than what Jordan did because LeBron is now at the stage of it's a longevity accomplishment now. What he's doing is not great because it's great on its own. It's now kind of in that territory of, oh, that's great because look how old he is. It's year 20 and he's still doing these things, right? But those things aren't better than him at his heyday. It's not better than what Jordan did because Jordan did it in a truncated amount of time. So, for example, let me let me say it like this. Let me put it in this way. If I, if let's say me, me and you, let's say I play, you know, no, not even me, player A plays for six NBA seasons. He wins six finals, six finals MVPs, six MVPs, six scoring titles, right? So every year of his six years, he's the best player in the NBA. He wins the championship. He wins the finals MVP. He wins the scoring title, right? Now let's say player B plays for 20 years and he wins nine no, he wins six titles, six MVPs, six finals MVPs. He wins. He's scoring titles six times. Which career is more impressive? The guy who went six for six or the guy who went six out of 20? Like the guy who did it six straight years is the guy who's more impressive. That guy in a shorter amount of time was able to accomplish the same amount as somebody had taken 20 years to do it. Because if, if so, for example, if LeBron right now was at four championships, so if LeBron then wins his seventh championship in year 25, are we really going to make it say that he's greater than Jordan or he's a greater champion than Jordan because he's won more? No, we're going to say it took you 25 years to win what he won in 15. I just feel like the fact that he's still chasing after he's already surpassed the amount of games that Jordan has played is like that's the end of the conversation. In year 20, you're still chasing you're still trying to accomplish certain things that he's already accomplished in 15. You've already you you can't compare them anymore. 
because his sample size is going to be greater. Secondly, Jordan defenders don't bring up stats first. People who defend Jordan as the GOAT don't start throwing out stats at you. They start throwing out intangibles. Because the reality is when you're talking about the greatest of all time, you're talking about a razor thin difference between players. And nine times out of ten, let's be honest with each other, it really does come down to preference. It also comes down to age. Are you a younger guy? Because you're probably going to favor the person that you've grown up watching, the person that you've idolized, the person that you relate to. Not the guy from the ever before. I have no idea. I cannot express to you how good Wilt Chamberlain was. I have no idea. I have no reference of that. I didn't see it as it was happening. There are some kids right now who cannot, who have zero clue of how great Shaq actually was. They don't remember. There's people now that will tell you that Tim Duncan is overrated because they don't understand what was happening when it was happening. They don't realize how great he was. That's what I'm saying. And there's 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 guys like me who's 35 years old who will look at it and say, I don't really think that these dudes you're talking about are that great. Like when you start talking about this GOAT conversation, they immediately bring up the Warriors and how the Warriors have four Hall of Famers. I don't think Draymond's a Hall of Famer. And if he makes it to the Hall of Fame, like, do you really do you think he's actually like one of the greatest basketball players of all time? Do you feel like you can't tell the history of basketball without mentioning Draymond Green? Are we sure that Klay Thompson is a Hall of Famer? Like one of the greatest of all time? Now, I'm not saying he is or isn't. I'm just saying these are like, you can't just throw them in and like, oh, yeah, of course. Like that. Well, hold on now. Well, what's your criteria? So when you're talking about the comparisons, it is a razor thin margin. How thin do you ask? Okay, I'll put it to you this way. Over their careers. Now, keep in mind, Jordan only played 1,072 games. So far, LeBron has played 1,366, so he's already got more games, right? But that doesn't even matter for this. For a career, Jordan's averaging 30 points per game. LeBron's averaging 27. It's not a big margin of difference, right? For field goal percentage, Jordan clocks in at 50, LeBron at 51. That's razor thin. Like, is there, honestly, be real. Are you really going to say because he has one percentage point higher, he makes that's like greater? Either one, like both of them are great. Like, you know, one percentage point, like, come on. Three point percentage. Jordan comes in at 33, LeBron at 35. That's razor thin. Like, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, it's not that much of a difference. Rebounds for a career. Jordan was averaging six rebounds. LeBron averages eight. That's two extra rebounds. Guess what? LeBron's a forward. He's supposed to rebound. Jordan's not supposed to be getting rebounds. That was never his job. So getting six alone is like, all right, that's pretty impressive. For LeBron to get eight, sure, that's good too. I'm not saying it's not. I'm not knocking him. But what I'm saying is what they're asked to do is different. So Jordan getting six is is more impressive to me than LeBron getting eight. You understand what I'm saying? Assists. LeBron averages seven assists for his career. Seven assists a game. Guess how much Jordan averages? Five. And no one ever considers Jordan to be a passer. He's not a point guard. He wasn't playing point. And the one time he did play point, he damn near averaged a triple-double over 11 games. Look it up. People talk about Jordan not being a good passer, not being a, like what like average five assists. He's averaging two less assists than LeBron. And I promise you, he's not dishing the ball as much as LeBron is. He's not having the same amount of opportunities, which means he's picking his spots well. Steals, they both average two. 
blocks. They both average one. So what I'm just proves the point. They're so close. If you just want to bring up straight stats and averages, they're very close. And that's where preference and age comes in. And that's why Jordan defenders will not. The first thing they will say to you is not just stats. Because if you want to talk about stats, LeBron's going to end up with all of the stats. Because he's playing for so long. Because he's such a freak of nature in terms of his athleticism, his durability, that he's even lasted this long. That he's been this interested, this engaged for this long is impressive. On his own, that's impressive. But when you're talking about Jordan, it's different. Right? Now, you're never going to be able to mix them in errors. But here's what I'll say. Here's something that came up to me. Something I thought about was LeBron never had to overcome a challenge. He never had to overcome a team to win a championship. Right? And what I mean by that is, yeah, he was down 3-1 to the Warriors, sure. Yeah, he had to get past the Boston Celtics. But check this out. Jordan played with Pippen, right? And everyone would say, oh, blah, blah, blah. He had Pippen, he had Pippen, he had Pippen. Yeah, but guess what? Jordan, when he had Pippen, they lost to the Pistons. And they together had to go back into the gym and overcome that and then go back and play the Pistons with that squad, with that roster. They had to over. They had to go back and beat them together. What did LeBron do against Boston? Got his ass beat in Cleveland and then went to Miami to team up with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. Then went back to Boston and beat him. See, he didn't go back with the Cavs and say, nah, we need to go back in the gym and get better. We need to get stronger. We need to get smarter. We need to be tougher to get past Boston. No, 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 no. He ran to another team that was better with better players to then go against Boston. And then when things started looking dim in Miami, right, when they lost to the Spurs by a record margin, and he could tell, hey, D-Wade's a little hurt. He's not the same. Hey, Chris Bosh is dealing with a massive injury. Like, he's having real career-threatening issues, like life-threatening issues. He's not going to be around for much longer. What did he do? He then ran back to Cleveland, where a young stud was named Kyrie Irving, and then traded the number one pick. To pick up Kevin Love, who at the time was a top three big man in the NBA. So essentially recreating what he had in Miami to say, well, now I'm going to run over there to give myself an easier path to the finals and give myself a better chance of winning in the finals. Not stick it out with this team, not fight through, not battle through and try to overcome it. No, no, he ran the first chance he had. Then when things got sticky in Cleveland. Right. And he found out, hey, man, Cleveland is the same situation. This isn't going to be going forward. This isn't going to be the greatest. I want to go somewhere a little more attractive where they could attract free agents and maybe put a better team around me. He ran off to L.A. Then they had to trade for Anthony Davis. Then they're trying to pick up Westbrook. All they're trying to do is get whatever players they feel like they can to put around him so he can have the best chance at winning a championship. Jordan, when they lost to the Pistons, went back in the lab and reconstructed his body. Spent the whole next year being tougher on the team. Telling we need to, we need to fight. We need to fight. We need to fight. That's the difference. It's a generational thing. See, back then, when a bully pushed you, when a bully hit you, when somebody talked trash about you, when somebody stepped to you, you threw your fists. 
and you fought. And if you lost and you walked back home and you came back the next day and you tried it again, you fought your way through. You didn't run off and tell somebody. You didn't run off and go get no weapons. You didn't run off and go get so-and-so. You came back. You threw your hands and, hey, if they're just better than you, they're just better. But you were going to fight to beat that team. See, that's adversity. That's what Jordan did. He didn't run off to another team. Jordan at the end of the line where they say, hey, Phil is gone. Pippen is gone. He said, well, I'm out. These are my guys. This is our team. Keep this team together and let us go do it again. Let us go try to win a fourth in a row. LeBron always had one eye on where's the best situation to be in. Where's the best place I could go. Now, look. Younger, all the younger people say that's a smart thing to do. Hey, smart people, you know, the the people nowadays, if you're smart, you're not going to sit in a bad situation and keep bumping your head against the wall like Damian Lillard. Well, guess what? People respect Lillard because Lillard says, I'm staying in Portland. And if I can't win a championship here, then I don't want one. Now, if you don't if you don't hear him say that and think, man, that's that's real. That's tough. Then, then you're just one of the guys that don't have that don't see what what's really happening. You're probably a person that doesn't think Jordan's the goat. Now I know that's not it. That's you know that's that's my opinion on what LeBron did. Maybe that's not exactly what he did. Yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. But that's just something that stuck out to me. Secondly, what I would say is I feel like LeBron versus Jordan is the same as a comparison. Let's bring it to hip hop. It's like Drake versus Kendrick Lamar to say who's the greatest rapper. Yeah, you could pull up Drake and say, look how many hits he's had. Look how many number ones he's had. Look how many features he's had. And he's going to have all the stats. But you can't tell me a single Drake album that's better than any Kendrick Lamar album if you really break it down and say, which one's actually a better album? There's not a single Drake album that's better than a single Kendrick Lamar album. Kendrick Lamar don't have as many albums. He don't have as many songs. He don't have as many hits. He don't have as many this or what that. But when you're talking about straight up quality body of work, everything Kendrick Lamar has put out has been exceptional, critically acclaimed, nominated because of its merit, not because of its popularity. And I feel like that's kind of the thing that you have between Jordan and LeBron. LeBron's going to have all of the numbers. He's going to have all the stats. Oh, he averages more this. He does more this. He's a better rebounder. He's a better this. He's a better that. Sure, the numbers, you can argue all the numbers you want to. But at the end of the day, I would say one game, gotta win it. It falls on this guy. Whether he shows up or not, it's all on him. Who you taking, LeBron or Jordan? You can't tell me a single time that Jordan didn't show up. I watched the game where LeBron just didn't want to shoot. I watched a game, a finals game against Dallas where he was didn't want to shoot it. Single digit scoring in the finals and you're the best player. You want to be considered the greatest player of all time? Nah, Jordan showed up. Your biggest knock on Jordan would be he'll shoot 10 of 45. Well, guess what? He was taking 45. He was trying. Right? He was going for it. He was showing up. He wasn't going to go down and say, nah, I didn't hit the first couple. You know what? You do it. You take it. Here, you shoot. Hey, you shoot. 
It's not going with me. You shoot. And maybe that's wrong. Maybe that's right. I don't know. It's a matter of opinion. It's your preference. I personally like a guy that's going to keep trying. To keep fighting. Regardless of how well or how bad it's going. He's going to keep fighting until the end. Until it's over. I'll take that every single day of the week over the guy that's going to sit there and pack it in. Because it's not. he's not having a good night. I just think that I think it's no debate. I think the fact that you can't sit here and clearly say that you believe he is the best of all time, that he is, has surpassed Jordan, that he's still chasing Jordan to let you know. 20 years in and you're still chasing somebody. You, you played five more seasons than him. What are you still chasing? It's not all about stats. Sometimes it's about grit. Sometimes it's about attitude, mentality. LeBron's got a, hey, you know, I did my best mentality. LeBron's got a, hey, you know what, I did the best I could so I can go home and just accept it as that. So, you know, come back next year and try again. He's got that attitude. Whereas Jordan was like, nah, we lost. We, we lost. All right, whatever I did last year didn't work, so let's step it up. Let's do more. If I was doing 10 reps last year and we lost, I need to start doing 20. If we lost this game, hey, I'm not going home tonight. I'm going to stay in the gym. I'm going to shoot. I'm going to work on it. Whatever it is. It's a different mentality. Now, with all that being said, look, I will I will say, <laughs> if I seem like I'm, I'm hating on LeBron, I'm not. Look, to be honest with you, a part of me feels bad for him. And I've said this a million times. I said it all last year. I said it, you know, to multiple people before I even started this podcast. I think it's really a shame that that no one, no one is watching LeBron and just appreciating what LeBron is and what he's doing and what he's contributing to the game. That either you're on the side of he's not the GOAT and every time he does something you say you're waiting for him to make a mistake so you can say, see, that's why he's not the GOAT. Or you're on the side of he is the GOAT and every you're waiting for him just to do something impressive so you can say, see, that's why he's the GOAT. But you're never actually watching and just enjoying what you're seeing. And there's sometimes where I'll sit back and watch just like, man, like there is no denying he is one of the greatest players of all time. There is no denying he is one of the five best players of all time. There is no denying that LeBron physically could match up in any era of the NBA and be successful. There is no doubt. There is no doubt that he is a great player, an all-time great player. One of those players who you look at and say, man, for that long, at that high a level, undeniable. His, his numbers at retirement are going to be insane. I just don't think he's the greatest of all time. And I think that's fine. I don't think we should spend the rest of his career consistently trying to prove or disprove that he is the GOAT. So for me, the the GOAT conversation is over. He is not greater than Michael Jordan. That is not to say that he is not better. If you want to say that he is a better technical basketball player, I don't care about that. I care about when it comes down to it, who is the greatest player. And that encompasses more than just your stats. That encompasses more than just your play on the court. That encompasses everything. LeBron only exists because he was chasing Michael Jordan. LeBron only got a sneaker contract because they knew they could give him a contract because they saw what they were able to accomplish with Jordan. The only reason why Nike is Nike is because they signed Jordan. The only reason why sneaker culture even exists is because of Jordan. Jordan elevated everything and here's my last point here's the last thing i'll say and i won't say it again and i'll I'll move on to the next topic there was never a year where michael jordan was playing in the nba that he wasn't without a question the best player in the nba never happened 
And we don't count the last two years with the Wizards because he was 40 years old. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> I leave you with that. So I want to talk about the... Uh, actually, you know what? Before I talk about the Cowboys, because I really want to get into Cowboys game, because I got a few points, a few pointers I want to talk about. But I, I want to touch on... Um, th- I, I feel like, you know what? This is becoming a theme. Last year, I started this show, and the uh, the thing that happened was right before the season Jared Goff was traded for Matt Stafford and that became a season-long thing where I kept revisiting it kept talking about it it kept coming back up every week I felt like I had to answer for it or add something to it it was just a season-long thing so I feel like maybe on this show it's going to be a theme where there's going to be a topic that just keeps coming back and back and back and back so this year I have a feeling that it's going to be the Lamar Jackson and not necessarily him so much but the idea of paying the quarterback or paying a player um the most amount of money you possibly can and having him eat up so much of the cap and what that does to a team the ravens over the weekend played the patriots and again lamar jackson had a great game great game he's having a really good he's having a great year so far if you're looking at it just on paper is he worth what he's asking for just based on what he's doing alone a hundred percent. There's no debate in that. But the fact that that game against the Patriots was that close. The fact that it was that close, despite what Lamar Jackson was actually doing, is exactly my point. And this team hasn't even suffered the consequences of paying him that astronomical price that he's looking for. Now, again, I understand that it's egos. I understand that you're dealing with a bunch of men like Men, men who have been these guys. He was the man in middle school. Then he was the man in high school. Then he went to college and won the Heisman and was the man. Then he came into NFL. He's still the man. He's been the man his whole life. So I understand if he over there gets $40 million, you want me to take less than that? No, I think I'm better than him. I understand all of that perfectly fine. But the reality is, is yeah, you can make $60 million and the rest of your team is going to be crap. So now you have to have days like you did on Sunday. You have to have those days every single week. And you probably have to do even more than that just to be competitive in games. The Patriots have no business being in a game with the Ravens. The Patriots are doo-doo. I don't even know who plays receiver for the Patriots. Do they even have a run? I don't even, I don't know. Like, look, there's no reason. There's no way you look at his numbers. That game shouldn't have been close. And the week before against Miami, again, he had a phenomenal day. The defense couldn't stop a nosebleed in the second half. So what do you think is going to happen when that supporting cast starts to get weaker? Because you got to let guys go because you, you know, you're making all that money. So again, if Lamar Jackson wants 60, bro, take 30, take half. Then you can make sure you can guarantee your team around you could be better. And you can say that you could put stipulations in the contract. Say, I want a three-year deal. I want a three-year deal worth $30 million a year, guaranteed. And after three years, if you prove to me that you're going to take this extra money and build up the team, then I'll resign again. We could talk in a year, talk in two years. Whatever it is, have an opt-out at a certain point because you wanted to, to protect yourself, whatever. And guess what? If they don't sign it, you in the same spot you're in today. If the, if the Ravens say, nah, we're not going to sign that, then you just say, all right, I'm going to be a free agent at the end of the year and I'm going to go off and go somewhere else. Because I did plenty of teams in the league that would sign that contract. 
hey, you're going to take just $30 million of our cap, sign for two years, like three years, and, and I just have to make sure that I build a team around you? Oh, yeah, I'll take that deal. I'll sign it tomorrow. Now, I know maybe, you know, I'm not in the business, so I'm probably talking like wishful thinking or whatever. I'm the guy that on Madden would go out and sign the biggest name free agent in the offseason in franchise mode, and then I would just trade him for the number one pick. <laughs> that was my strategy. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe I'm maybe this is just, you know, in real life it doesn't work that way. But I just feel like business-wise, I think an owner would be would love to pay you $30 million a year and then have that flexibility to now add to the rest. Why wouldn't they? They have their franchise quarterback who they know is worth it and good, who can get them to the promised land. And they also have the cap space to then build the team around you because they want to keep you. They want to make you happy. They want to keep you safe. You're the asset. So what are they just going to pocket the money? No, not Baltimore has, has, has a history. Again, I said it last week. Baltimore has a history of putting quality teams on the field. I don't think that's going to dip because you took a less lesser of a salary. So I think, again, second week in the row, Lamar Jackson has to play amazing, outstanding, and the game is still closer than it needs to be. And that's only going to get worse if they actually pay him what he's asking for, and then they have to cheap out somewhere else. So again, I would say, be careful what you wish for. Look, I'm not telling a dude what to do. If you if you put that money in front of me, I mean, hey, the team could be bad, but hey, I'm set. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I, I, don't, I wouldn't do that. No, I wouldn't do that. I'm broke. <laughs> so you offer me 20 million dollars i'm taking it like i don't i'm not gonna fight you over the extra like 20 million is good enough for me where i'm coming from but i understand in that world is different but still man i think i think it really needs to be taken into serious consideration to maybe take a little less and make sure your supporting cast could be great what's gonna happen when the offensive line starts you know getting too expensive getting too old and you gotta get a new guy in there you're gonna start drafting but guess what you're lamar jackson you're playing well your team might be drafting late in the draft. You're not getting the best offensive lineman. You got to hope for player development. But now you got to hope that they're investing in the coaching staff. What happens when you're receivers? Like you got to get receivers. What happens when they won't want to start spending money on those guys? What happens if you draft a guy? Great. He's cheap for four years. Or he's cheap for a year or two, but now he wants, he wants a bigger contract. I'm just saying, man. Protect yourself. Protect your interest. And that's not all going to be financial. So let's uh let's talk about the um the Cowboys win versus the Giants. Cooper Rush, it's my quarterback. <laughs> Listen, it's not impressive. It's not impressive. It doesn't look great. Um, it doesn't look sustainable. It doesn't look like something that's gonna be. I take that back. It does look sustainable because I think what they're doing is playing within themselves. And I said it last week, and I'll say it again. This game looked exactly the same. I think with Cooper Rush, the Cowboys know what they have. They know what they can't do. And they're not going to try to do more than what they're capable of doing. And I think that that's the way to go. That's the smart play. With with Dak Prescott, they, they, they think they have an elite quarterback, and they don't. But I will say this, watching that game, one thing became crystal clear. I can't I can't speak for anything else on the Cowboys. I will not say with certainty about anything else, but I will say this. The Dallas Cowboys have a legit front seven. That defensive line and those linebackers and that group are legit. 
they will get pressure and make it difficult for every single team they play this year. Without question. Because if you try to double on Micah Parsons, Tank Lawrence on that other side is good enough to get it done. Especially one-on-one coverage. Those guys in the middle, those big hogs, Bohanna, can get it done. They can get it done. The linebackers, when it's freed up and they can just run around, don't have to worry about dealing with blocks because the, the D-line's eating up those blocks. Yeah, they can get it done too. That front seven is legit. It's going to cause problems for everybody. Now, the back end, hey, man, Psh, not going to say, I, I, hey, they could, they, could be, they could be taken advantage of. If you could block it up, you could take advantage of that secondary. They're, they're very, they're very yeah, boomer bust. Sometimes they can get out of position. Sometimes the zones open up. You know, if you could block it up, you can, you can, you can move the ball. But the problem is not a lot of people are going to be able to block it up consistently. Another thing is, man, Danny Dimes, you know, Daniel Jones, man, he's so average. He's such an average quarterback. Again, average isn't bad. <laughs> he's not bad. He's not good. He's average. He's all right. He's okay. He's a guy. Probably better as a backup. I think he'd be a great backup. Because I think when he comes in, if you, again, another guy, maybe a lot like Dak Prescott. If you just play within what he can do, you can have some success. I don't think he's ever going to blow the doors off anybody. But hey, also, again, what do you expect him to do when he's got that offensive line just giving up pressure? That offensive line stinks, man. So, you know, in a way, yeah, he's average, but like it makes it look way worse when you get pressured like that. I know a lot of conversation is starting to happen where people are starting to call for Tony Pollard to start over Zeke again. That Tony Pollard needs to play more than Zeke. I'm going to say it like this. I don't think it matters. The way they rotate, I don't think it matters. I don't think Zeke is washed. I think Zeke still has a lot of value. I think in the passing game, blocking-wise, I think Tony Pollard can't block worth a lick. I think you need Zeke still to stay in there to give pass protection in case you need it. I think coming out the backfield, I think I think what it is is I think Tony Pollard is just younger and faster. He's more of like a a speed type of guy, whereas Zeke at this stage is more of like a tough yardage type of guy, but he also can can hit some big runs. I think they both played well in the game. I don't think either one of them was like, I just think that Tony Pollard has a little more, has a little more pop, a little more juice in his legs. But I mean, come on, rookie year, first three years, Zeke was doing the same thing. Zeke's just a little older now, a little heavier now, a little beat up now, not as fresh, not as young. You know what I mean? Teams always call for the the backup to play more because the backup will come in after the starter did all the damage and then bust a 15, 20 yard run. And then it's like, oh, why isn't he playing the whole game? Well, that wouldn't happen if he played the whole game. He got his chance last year. There was a couple games last year where he was a feature back. It didn't look like that. I think you need both. I think for what they're trying to do, you need both. Who gets more carries? I don't think it matters. I think Pollard should be used more in the passing game. I think you should you can get him touches that way. I think you should line him up at receivers sometimes. Put him in the slot. Just confuse him. Put them both on the field at the same time. I think you could do more things like that. I'm not against Pollard getting more touches. I just don't think it needs to come at the expense of Zeke. I think there's ways to do it, but I don't I don't think Tony Pollard would be as productive if you asked him to do it 25, 30 times a game. I think you're gonna have better production from Zeke doing that. And another thing, man, is um, 
man, it's tough to say, but I might be the only person, but I, I'm not a big fan of CD Lamb. I have not seen anything since he's been a member of the Cowboys that makes me say, that's a guy. He'll make one or two catches every once in a while that make you say, whoa, that was a nice catch. But guess what? Every player in the NFL, every receiver in the NFL has a couple of those. I saw Amari Cooper make a bunch of catches that I was like, wow. I seen Michael Gallup make so many toe-tap catches. I was like, oh, my gosh. So it's like making one or two is fine, but he drops a lot. I don't, I, I, I'm not going to say they made a mistake. Um, actually, you know what? Nick Eatman, who's a writer for the Cowboys, um, and they do a podcast, um, Cowboys Break, if you want to listen to it, it's, it's actually done by like the Cowboys. So like it's real insider information. But Nick Eatman on there is one of the guys I like. And he said it. I think he said it best. He said, I don't think they have a number one receiver. I think they have a couple good number twos and a couple number fours and fives. I don't think CeeDee Lamb is a number one receiver. I don't think he's a guy that can, number one, that can do anything with double coverage. I don't think he's a guy that can take over a game. I think he's a guy who needs someone else there so you so he doesn't get all the attention. I think the minute you give him all the attention, it's like, all right, well, he's not... I, he's not he's not the fastest player. He's not particularly fast. He doesn't have the greatest hands. He doesn't run the greatest routes. Like he's not really that great at anything. He's just really good at a lot, and really good at a lot. Put you at number two. CD Lamb's not a number one receiver in the NFL. Nah, nope. I don't think so. I don't buy it. That's me personally. I don't buy it. I don't see it. So I do think he is a little overhyped. I think he's overvalued. I think that they would do really well to maybe look at drafting someone who could be that real legit number one, like a dog. You know what I mean? Like somebody with some real game changing ability, somebody who has a trait that's just out of this world. To be honest with you, when when Michael Gallup comes back, he might take over as a number one. I'm not sure. I think he might be a little, I don't think he's better than CeeDee Lamb, but I think he just, I think what he is, he's better at what he is than CeeDee Lamb. I think CeeDee Lamb is trying to be something that maybe he's not best suited for. And again, I think they, they've rose him up and said, you're ready to be the number one. You're ready to be the guy. I don't think he is the guy. I don't think he's capable of that. And so I think they need to rethink that. So I said, I wanted to get into something, something new today. Um, I'm, I'm debate, I'm messing around with a topic, um, <laughs> called, uh, asking the question if they're the real deal or a cheat meal. I know it's kind of corny, but I kind of like it. It's got a nice little ring to it. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to go through, like, for example, I wanted to go through like the top 10 in college football. And I wanted to say like, Hey, is this person, is this person, is this team the real deal? Is this someone that can really be there at the end and really compete for a top four spot? Or is this kind of just someone who at the moment is in a good spot, but they'll fall off by the end of the year? So let's just go through the top 10 in college football. We won't do the NFL yet. Well, Four weeks into the NFL, then we can do that. Three weeks in is a little too early to tell. So after this week, so this week we'll do college football top 10 because they've gotten four weeks in. Next week we'll do the NFL. So for this week, we're going to go through the top 10. We have Georgia. 
Uh, yeah, Georgia's the real deal. Um, that's a team that's super talented. They reloaded. I mean, they're like they're they are the premier college football program. Like as far as like bringing in recruits, five stars, four stars, like reloading, like they are loaded. And they're going to be a force for many, many years to come. They've overtaken Alabama, in my opinion, as like the it school that has all of the good players. That if three, if the first string gets injured, second string injured, third string gets injured, and you got to bring in your fourth string true freshman, you're going to be fine. That's what they are. Alabama, of course, I got to put them in as the real deal. Um, it's Alabama. It's it's Nick Saban. They got horses too. Like it it doesn't look as like clear cut. Like they don't look invincible, but I mean, look, they they got it. Ohio State, of course, the real deal. Um, I think they have the athletes and the coaching and the skilled players to compete with anybody in the country. I think what I think this entire year, what it's going to come down to is I think it is 100% going to come down to that defense continuing to improve, continuing to limit big plays, continuing to make it tough on, on opposing teams. And I think their front seven, again, their front seven is legit too. And they got a great defensive line too. And if they can continue to get pressure on teams as they get into the thick of their schedule, then I think the sky is the limit. C.J. Stroud, obviously, to me, is the best quarterback in the country. It's not even close. The receivers are elite. And I think what they've got going on with Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson at running back, I think that's a good thing. And I think that offensive line creating those holes and those spaces for these guys to run, I think they're showing a great deal of toughness. And, hey, guess what? As much as we hate it, we have Michigan to thank for it. And I, and I'm sure like everyone else, and I'm sure like everybody on that Ohio State team is counting down the days to see Michigan so we can let them know how tough they actually are. Speaking of Michigan, Michigan's ranked at number four. Real deal or a cheat meal? They are a cheat meal. I don't think Michigan's going to be in the top four come the end of the year. I don't think they're going to make the playoff. In fact, I think they might end up with two or three losses. I don't buy into it. I don't believe it. I think last week they made some plays. I give them credit. I picked them to lose to Maryland. Um, But Maryland did exactly what I thought they would for most of the day. But then they had some blunders. I mean, look, fumbling, having the the kickoff, the opening kickoff hit you in the face mask. And, you know, you gave up seven right off the rip. Like, all right, you know, that's a bad start. (laughs) But even watching the game, when you watch Michigan, you can kind of just see the pattern that it's always been. You start off really hot against really bad teams. You have one of the, you're, I think, what are they ranked? Like 102 as far as strength of schedule this year? So you start off really bad and you dominate those teams. And then you get into the Big Ten play where guys, where teams are a little more familiar with you, where teams are a little better. And then you start to come back down to earth and you play some tougher games. They win some, of course. Like last week was a tough game. They won. Kudos to you. I just don't think going forward that they're going to win every game. I think they're going to have struggles. I think they are offensively challenged. I think their quarterback is bad. I don't. I think they stink quarterback-wise, and they have for a long time, and they always will. I shouldn't say always, but they will for the foreseeable future. Clemson, as much as I hate it, man, as much as I hate it, I think Clemson, by default, is the real deal. I think Clemson just has the pedigree. I just think that they, you know, they just, they just been there, done that. But I do think that losing, um, 
the defensive coordinator. Why is his name? His name is slipping my mind right now. Oh, man. Um, Jeez. Why am I drawing a blank on his name? He's coaching at Oklahoma now. You know who I'm talking about. right? If you, if you listen to this show, you watch college football, you know who I'm talking about. I think losing him, Brett Venerables. Ven- Venerables. Venerables. God damn. <laughs> I'm an idiot. You know who I'm talking about. Unbelievable defensive coordinator. I think losing him has really hurt them. I think their defense is not what it was. Um, and I think that's been a problem. And I also think that DJ Ugalele, 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 I feel like every time I'm about to say it, it comes out different than what I'm saying in my brain. Again, I'm not throwing shots. I'm not trying to be rude. I genuinely have a brain fart whenever I'm saying his name. So I'm just going to call him DJ with the do-rag. I don't buy into him. I, there's something about him that makes me say, mm, mm, nah, don't trust. Don't trust in the important spot when all the chips are on the table. I don't trust him to come through. So, but again, been there, done that, that history, um, Dabo Sweeney's a good coach. So I got to give him some kudos for right now. I'm going to put him in the, uh, the real deal category, but it's close. USC, uh, I'm, I'm going to squeak him over to the cheat meal portion. I just don't think, I think when they get into the real thick of their schedule, I think they're going to have some trouble. That's my honest opinion. But for right now, I mean, they look okay. I mean, I don't, I don't see any, any problem with them. But again, I think as you get into the meat of the schedule, the season goes on a little bit. You get some more film on what you're doing. I think, you know, I think, I think they'll take a loss or two. So for right now, barely they go into the the cheat meal category. Kentucky, uh, without question, uh, cheat meal. I don't buy Kentucky. I wouldn't be surprised if Kentucky ended up with four or five losses at the end of the season. I don't see them continuing that at all. At all. Um, I look at a complete, complete cheat meal. I think Will Levi, I think that guy is going to fall apart. I'd be willing to bet something substantial that he falls apart and and ends the year kind of like, yeah, you know, he's not very good. (laughs) That's what I think. I, I feel like... Wasn't he supposed to come out in the draft last year? I feel like at one point he maybe was going to be in the draft and then maybe backed out. Maybe I don't I don't remember. I don't remember why. I feel like I remember watching him, watching film on him and grading it. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just the name just sounds familiar. Uh Tennessee, I'm gonna put them in the cheat meal category as well. I just think that you know. Uh, I've seen them play, and I, I, I the quarterback's playing well, but I still just feel like they've they've caught some breaks. They've caught some breaks, and I mean, look, that happens sometimes, but I feel like it's it's not going to happen enough. I think playing in that conference, playing the teams you're going to end up playing, I don't, I see, I see them with about two losses as well. Oklahoma State, uh, they're also going to go in the cheat meal. I just think they are prime for losses. I just think that the way they play so fast and so loose. I mean, their defense is, you know, they lost their coordinator, obviously, to Ohio State. But, you know, I think they look okay now. But I think, once again, once you start getting into that, you know, the Big 12 schedule, it's, it's going to be tough. I see them taking a couple losses as well. I don't think they'd be, they're going to be there at the end. And, of course, uh, number 10, we have NC State. 
I'm also going to call them. Ooh, I'm to be honest with you, I'm not as familiar with NC State. I haven't paid much attention to them, but I'm going to put them just based on what I do know. I'll put them in the cheat meal category. I, I, I just don't, again, same thing, get into the meat of their schedule. I just feel like they could pick up a loss or two here or there. That's a team that will rise up to level of competition and also drop to a level of competition. And that usually ends up getting you beat at least once or twice. So I don't think come the end of the year, though, they're going to be in the top 10. Uh, did I waste your time? <laughs> I'm sorry if that came across as a complete and utter waste of time. It was not my intention. You're trying it out. Again, real deal or cheat meal. Week one, college football edition. But let's get into some predictions before we end off today. Uh, yeah, last week I had a miserable week. Uh, miserable week. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna allow you to blame it on me picking against the spread <laughs> instead of just picking straight up winners. I don't think they had any I I did okay with that. Uh the real blunder was honestly the college football going with all of the upsets that I picked. And yeah, all those games were kind of going in the direction that I thought. And the reality is, is like I said last week, I know that I'm probably going to be wrong, but I'm, I'm going to go with it. Every once in a while, you got to do it again, man. The intention is not to be right all of the time. The intention is to say what I feel, to give my opinion. And that's why the show was called Sometimes I'd Be Right. It's not just like, I was trying to think of a clever name. It's the reality of... The point of the show is for me to share my thoughts with you, to share my sports takes, to share my sports ideas, which I think sometimes can be very unique and very kind of opposite of what everyone else is thinking. And sometimes what I'm saying comes to be true. <laughs> so sometimes I'd be right. So, hey, listen to an hour of me go on about my sports opinions and you'll realize sometimes he'd be right. And then sometimes I'd be dead wrong like last week. But we're, listen, we don't stop because we have a bad week. We keep going. We persevere. And that's why this week, we are coming back with a whole new batch of picks. Now, let me just say for the record, the way this is going to work going forward is I'm going to be picking four college games, four NFL games. Okay. Now, like I said before, one rule is I do have to pick the Ohio State game in college. So I'm going to be picking three college games and then the Ohio State game. And then I will be picking three NFL games and then the Cowboys game. Now, some people will say, but you're never going to pick your team to lose. Not true. I picked my team to lose twice this year so far. I picked the Cowboys to lose. Actually, no, I didn't. I picked them to beat the Buccaneers, but I thought they were going to lose. And I picked them to lose to the Bengals, which they won. So great. But I will pick against, I'm not, you know me, I'm not biased. Like, what do I care? Me picking them to win or lose doesn't change whether or not they win or lose. If I pick them to lose, it's not like I'm rooting for them to lose so I can say that I was right. I want them to win. I'd gladly be wrong in that one. But I'm just telling you what I think and what I honestly believe. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to pick against the spread for the NFL games, not for college. Because to be honest with you, look, Ohio State's playing Rutgers this week. The spread is 40 and a half. I don't, I don't know if they're going to beat them by 40. <laughs> I hope so, but that's a crazy number. So I'm not going to do that. I'm not that confident that I'm, I can pick the spread because then it's like, well, I'm going to pick Ohio State to win, but do I think they're going to win by 40 and a half? No, so I can't pick them. 
Or am I going to use my fandom and say whatever? Because you guys know how much I hate Rutgers. I hate them. This is one of my this is one of my favorite games of the year is to watch Ohio State destroy Rutgers. Let's get into the picks and I'll break down each one. Let me save my opinions for that game until we get into the picks. So the first pick, I'm going to take Ole Miss to beat Kentucky. Now, when I looked at it, I thought that I was, because, you know, Ole Miss is ranked lower than Kentucky. I thought that I may be picking an upset. Maybe the consensus is that Kentucky is going to win. But apparently, no. Apparently, Ole Miss is favored by seven. And I guess I'm not the only one who thinks that Kentucky is probably not really, you know, they're not the real deal. They're a cheat meal. But I'm going with Ole Miss to take out Kentucky. Uh, I have Clemson beating NC State. The line in that one is six and a half. I don't buy NC State, but at the same time, Clemson might be struggling. But this seems to be, to me, in my opinion, this feels like a game where Clemson is going to come back and kind of look like Clemson again. And they're going to have one of those weeks where they're kind of firing on all cylinders. NC State's feeling good about themselves. They're ranked number 10 now. They're high above the clouds. And I think Clemson is going to bring them right back down to earth and say, hey, remember, you're NC State. And so I think that's what's going to happen in that game. So to recap, I have Ole Miss over Kentucky. I have Clemson over NC State. And to be honest with you, I mean, I hate saying this, and I swear to you, I'm not pandering. And you know who I'm talking to. If you're listening to this, I promise you I'm not saying this because I'm trying to make you happy or I'm trying to give throw you a bone. This is my honest opinion. I have Florida State beating Wake Forest. And not only do I have Florida State beating Wake Forest, but I am 98% sure Florida State is going to end up in the college football playoff. Now, here's my thinking. Here's my reasoning behind it. Again, I'm not pandering to anybody. I'm not trying to appeal to anybody. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not trying to be ahead of the curve. I was looking at Florida State's schedule. And I wanted to say, ah, Florida State is definitely going to lose three, four games this year. They're, they're not the real deal. But when I looked at their schedule, I started looking at the tough teams they have. Like They have NC State. They have Wake Forest. They're going to have Clemson on there. And then I start thinking, hmm, how good is Florida State? Do I think they're really good? No, I don't think they're really good. But there is one thing I think they are. I think they are tough. And I think the close games that they've had this year, the close calls, the one against LSU, I think the one against Louisville, I think those games early build a sense of we can. Like, it's okay if we're down. We can do it. Or it starts to build up that idea that this year might be a special year. And those guys start to feel like, yo, we blocked the punt to prevent it from going to overtime to beat LSU. We we stopped. We went on the road on a Friday night and beat, you know, Louisville. When we were down in that game. So you look at it and you start saying, hmm, you start building up that belief. And then they play tough and their defense plays tough. And their offense isn't great, but their offense can make plays, you know, a couple plays here or there. And I start looking at their schedule and I say, hmm, they're playing Wake Forest this week. Could they beat Wake Forest? Would it be a shock if they beat Wake Forest? No. Would I be shocked if they beat NC State? No, I wouldn't be shocked. I don't think it's impossible. Clemson, ooh, that's a tough test. But what could they beat Clemson? Clemson could have a stinker. Clemson can be beat. They're not invincible. They're not what they have been. They could be they could you can get them. And I start looking at it like, man, they could win all of these games. Could they beat Miami? Sure. They always they beat Miami when they were dog due. Now they 
you know, playing tough, looking solid. I think that's a team if they just take it one week at a time and they don't get too full of themselves, they can stack up these wins and end up sneaking their way into the playoff. That's my bold prediction in week four. I'm Florida State, they they got a chance to make it. There's the team, their schedule is not like impossible. None of these games do you think by no chance. And I think that starts this week when they're playing Wake Forest, who's coming off of a big loss, an emotional game, a game they almost had, a game they were so close. Yeah, you they might maybe they come back and they just world beaters, but I, I don't think so. I think that loss not I think that cripples them a little bit. I think they don't recover from that, and I think they lose. And of course, it is Ohio State beating Rutgers. And as I've said before, to have a gentleman who I used to interact with. Uh, because I had to. <laughs> y'all know I'm, y'all know what I'm talking about when when there's somebody in your life and so they're around. You don't really want them to, but like whatever. But the gentleman once told me that Rutgers could beat Ohio State, and uh, when I was very young, in my early 20s, I said Rutgers will not only never beat Ohio State, I don't think it'll ever be close. And thus far, if I'm not mistaken, I think Ohio I think Ohio State is averaging. Is beating Rutgers by a margin of, I think, like 40 points a game when they play. These games are not close, and I love every second of it. You're not on the same level. You're not even close in terms of recruiting. I don't care who your coach is. I don't care who your quarterback is, and he's not good. They're, you're not getting close, okay? I know I said last year, I said that um, Ohio State was going to run through Michigan, and I looked like an idiot when it didn't happen. I have zero fear, that Rutgers is going to pose any threat to Ohio State. I don't. I don't feel. I don't feel like I'm jinxing them by saying this. I just think it's not. It's. It's not even that. Like the talent. The talent gap is so vast in that game. It's almost unfair. It's almost unfair. Now Rutgers is going to do what they always do. They're gonna. They're gonna maybe keep it a little. They're gonna look competitive for a quarter and a half. And it's going to look like, oh, maybe they're hanging around. It's not out, of, not out of question. And then I'm going to be sitting at home like, did I jinx him? Nah, no way. And then Ohio State's just going to pull away. Either that or it's going to be like last week where at the end of the first quarter, it's like, oh, yeah, it's over. <laughs> you know what? It's, it's not going to be close at any point. Ohio State might score every single time they get the ball. And they might score a couple of defensive touchdowns. It's going to be a slaughter. You know what? I'm going to give you a score. Uh, do, 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 75 to 75 to 17. That's, that's my score. So now let's go to the NFL. The show's running a little long here. I don't mean to hold y'all up. I'm just having fun talking to y'all tonight. So I have the Bengals over the Dolphins. The spread is, uh, Bengals are favored by three and a half. I like the Bengals to cover. That is on Thursday night. So if you're listening to this early on Thursday, that game is happening tonight. If you're listening to this after Thursday, then I either sound like, oh, he was right. Or I sound like, ooh, he was wrong about that. That didn't age well. But I have the Bengals covering the three and a half points over the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins are coming off of another emotional win. I think the issues around Tua, because Tua definitely had a concussion. Don't try to tell me it's a back. I'm dealing with a back injury right now, and uh, I'm not wobbling around like that. So I like I like Joe Joe Shiesty to come through on Thursday night on a short week to get that dub and to cover the three and a half points. I like the Bears to beat the Giants. 
Um, the Giants are favored by three. I think the Bears cover that. I, you know, I think I think well, I think the reality is that the Bears have an elite running game, so I think they're going to be able to run all over the Giants, and I think that's going to open things up for Justin Fields to take advantage of the secondary, very much similar to what Cooper Rush was able to do, where when you if you're running the ball successfully, it opens up gaps for you to throw the ball and actually get some things through, and I think that's what he's going to do. So I like the Bears to cover the three points versus the Giants. Uh, the Cowboys are actually favored by three against, um, the Washington commanders. I personally, I'm going to actually say that I think the commanders cover the three point spread. So I would take the points in the commanders. I do think the Cowboys win the game, but I think it's a very close game. I don't think they cover the three points. I think it's maybe a one or two point game. I think that the commanders defensive line and their defense is very solid. Right. So the defensive line is solid. The Cowboys offensive line looked good against the Giants. But hey, any to anyone who knows, anytime you start praising the Cowboys and heaping praise and expectations on them, you think you're going to go in and win. They throw you a stinker. Okay, so I think that the commanders always play the Cowboys tough. I think that game is closer than three points. I like the commanders to cover the three points in that game. Uh, And the Patriots are actually the Packers are favored by nine and a half over the Patriots. Give me the Patriots and the points. I don't know. I, look, the Patriots are always in the game. It's very rare that they get they get blown out. I think they're too well coached. They're in the right spots. Now, whether they make the play, that's a different story. But they're going to be in position to make the play. So I do. I don't think they're going to lose by nine and a half points. That's a really big line. As someone who doesn't gamble, I know that nine and a half points is a big line. I don't. I don't think the Packers' offense is clicking at all. I think the Patriots' defense is good enough to prevent the Packers from all of a sudden finding their perfect rhythm. So I don't think that happens. I think they cover, take the nine and a half points in the Patriots. That's my time, y'all. Listen, I appreciate y'all coming through again for another week. Hope you enjoyed yourselves. We ran a little long today, but that's all right. You have fun, right? Look, we, we talked about the GOAT conversation. Look, we talked about AD. Can you stay healthy, bruh? We talked about... <laughs> We talked. I, I broke down. I said, is it a real? Are you the real deal or a cheat meal? Come on, man. We introduce a new segments every day. Every week, I'm trying to bring you something new. Listen, we are always improving. We are always growing. I just want to thank each and every one of y'all who returned. Hey, Cyber Family, big, big, big announcements coming very, very soon. I just want to thank each and every one of y'all for coming through. Listen, if it's your first time, if this is your first time joining us, thank you thank you i hope you enjoyed yourself i hope you found something even a little tiny nugget to make you say hey i'll check it out next week too and i hope you join the cyber family as well listen like i said big announcements coming soon we're actually going to try to grow the family build this thing up a bit build the community because listen if you want to know what the whole point of this is look i want to build the biggest group chat in the world where we all just come in and talk about sports and throw our stuff around there and start debates and conversations back and forth and da 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 all this other stuff all centered around sports all fun all good natured just a great great environment for people to come in and talk sports that's my end goal that's what i'm trying to build and create so each one of you that are listening right now that continue to support and continue to come back and continue to join the conversation i thank you you guys are the building blocks to this so again you can reach me on all social media platforms at cyber underscore pod that's s-i-b-r 
underscore P-O-D. I'm on all social medias. I promise you, you reach out to me, I 100% will respond. And if you reach out to me and you want to debate something, if you want to challenge something I've said, feel free. Look, it's no beef. We, I'm never going. I'm, I'm never. But I would love to have conversations with any one of you about anything that I said. Hit me up on social media. We will go back and forth. We'll have some fun with it. We'll debate. We'll talk. Listen, it's sports. It's all fun. It's all love. Hey, sometimes I'll be right. You might be right too. And if you're right, I'll look at you and say, hey, man, you're right. You got me on this one. But it'll be fun just to have the conversation. So let's build that, man. Let's build up the community. Let's build up the cyber family. I love all y'all. I'll see y'all next week.